Yo, what's going on, everybody? It is 1 p.m. here in Crystal Lake, Illinois. That means it's time for another live stream. Today is Thursday, January 26, 2023, and it is happy hour today. Today, we've got a special guest joining us. It's kind of been my new thing that I'm trying to do for this year is make happy hour about friends and not necessarily about boozy drinks or recovery beverages anymore. Um, so we're going to keep the trend going. And uh, But first, before we bring her in, I do want to say hi to everyone listening on the podcast, on the audio-only version. Hopefully, you guys, you're having a good day out there today, having a good run or a good commute. And everyone watching this on YouTube later, but not live, welcome to you guys as well. Hopefully, dinner went well and cleanup was smooth. So let's see who we got here in the chat. We've got uh, Lalo Chia says, wow, already Thursday. Where does the time fly off to? I know, for real, right? Uh, well, it was a short week for me. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I was in Florida with the fam, and then back Wednesday, Thursday. And a reminder, this is the last live stream of this week, because I leave tomorrow to go to Miami to uh, check out the Miami Half Marathon. So this will be happy hour and the last live stream of this week. Uh, we got Sean Devlin in here says, hey, everyone, with a wave emoji. PT says, no running for two weeks. Oh, boy. Maybe training for Boston could <laughs> shake out instead of the marathon if I don't straighten the ship out soon. Well, I mean, take your time on that, man, Sean. Get it right first and then come back and see where you're at. But hopefully you're back soon. JC says, hello, hello. And Auto VV says, what's going on, everyone? It's been a while. Awesome. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring her in. You guys know who this is. Megan Featherston, Featherstone Nutrition. Um, she's the one that's getting everybody to eat like five bagels a day before their marathons. Um, I, th I think single-handedly she's been doing that. So we got her in here today. Uh, here she is, Megan Featherson. Hey, Megan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I think we need a sound effect for Megan coming in. Uh, <laughs> this one. No, not that one. Yeah, no, not that one. That's the one I want. There we go. <laughs> I love it. I don't, I don't use these sound effects enough, so I always forget. That one kind of sounded like a train wreck there for a second, but you know, here we are. <laughs> all right. All right. Very cool. So how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah. As you can see, there's actually a little bit of sunshine coming through my window in Northeast Ohio, and we have had some really crummy weather recently. So I welcome the sun. All right. All right. So Northeast yeah. Ohio, can you tell us a little bit more? I feel, I feel like everyone here knows who you are, but if they don't, she's the one not only getting everyone to eat all the bagels before the marathons, but she does the live stream with Megan Murray, Fuel for the Soul. Um, she is like the marathon whisperer when it comes to nutrition. Tell us, how did you get to Northeast Ohio? I was born and raised here. Mm -hmm. So I actually live in the house that I grew up in as a kid. My parents wanted to downsize and I was like, you can't wow. sell that to somebody else. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, we are, I am here, here. Um, I left for school. I stayed in Ohio, but went as far possibly as I could away down to Miami University in Cincinnati or close to Cincinnati. It's mm -hmm. in Oxford. And then I came back up to Cleveland to get my master's at Case. And then, you know, Cleveland is only about 40 minutes from Kent. So I just ended up settling back here when I had kids to get help from my parents. And that's why I'm here because family's here. <laughs> awesome. So I didn't know that you moved into your childhood home. Um, yep. This summer. <laughs> oh, really? It was just this summer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't in August. Yep. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yep. Um, is it weird to be like sleeping in your parents' room now? Oh, my God. That was my brother's question. I have one older <laughs> brother, and he was like, is it so weird sleeping in mom and dad's room? It's <laughs> like, no, it's not. There's these big windows that overlook like this wooded neighborhood. I love it. It's like super peaceful for me um, okay. just to be back 
in a place that, you know, was so happy for me growing up. So. Oh, that's great. Very, mm-hmm. very cool. And then where are your parents now? Up the street. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yep. Yep. Very close. Yeah. Awesome. That's really cool. Like my, um, we visit my in-laws in Eastern Iowa all the time. And that's a town, you know, that where uh, my wife grew up and her mm-hmm. sister moved like down the street. So it's like when they come over, it's kind of like there's always a sleepover, but a lot of it is just my brother-in-law going back to his house, like driving just down the street <laughs> to get toothbrushes for everyone and then driving back. And then they're like, oh, dad, we need jammies. So then they'll drive it. back again and be like, we could just go home, you know, because down the street, <laughs> but everyone's like, no, we want to stay at grandma's house. So yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's really fun. I know. Oh, they're always begging fun. to have like sleepovers at Mimi's. I'm like, it's like four houses away. Just come sleep in your own bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so fun. Um, can you tell me a little bit like I I remember I think we first met on like a group run in Baltimore. Uh-huh. Um not I guess not that long ago. Um how much yeah. longer were you like involved with Megan and Believe in the Run or like all all that? Can you go get mm-hmm. into that like a little bit? Before that, I feel like you were training for a steeple chase. When would that have been? Yes. That's yeah. I think that's when we met. So I don't I can't even remember which time I was in Baltimore that I met you, but that might help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then like were you like working yeah. with Believe in the Run and like the fuel for the soul? Were you working with yeah. Megan nutrition? Yeah. Like how did how did that all come to pass? So let's see. It would have been the year of COVID. So 2020, I was riding my trainer. I used to only run four days a week and bike the other days. So I was like on my trainer biking in the basement. And that's like the best time to captivate me on Instagram because I'm like so bored on the bike. So I get this um like this DM from Megan. So it wasn't from the believe in the run account. And she was like, Hey, we just started a podcast and we're, would like you to be on it. Okay. And at this time, like, you know, this was two and a half years ago, you know, I wasn't that big yet. I didn't know who this was, but I was like, who is this? Like, who wants me to be on their podcast? Who is this person? She seems super nice. So I looked up believe in the run. And I was like, Oh, I think at the time they had like 30,000 followers, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, this, this looks cool. So I listened to a couple of their podcasts. And I was just hysterically laughing. I was like, I will absolutely, absolutely be on the podcast. This sounds like so much fun. Like they just seemed like my people. So they had me on the podcast. Gosh, I want to say like September-ish maybe of 2020. Um, and by the end of the conversation, like Thomas like stops the the recording. He's like, all right, Megan, you want to work with her, right? And, she, and Megan was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Thomas was like, no, she really wants to work with you. Can you work with her? So then I started working with her. And like two days later, Thomas is like, I want you to work with me too. So anyways, it was went from the podcast to working with both of them on their sports nutrition um, for it was, I, three to six months, I think it was. And then I continued to help Meg after that. And I think it was probably six months after that, that they were like, we want to do a nutrition spot. And I was like thinking they wanted like a 10 minute something on the drop. And they were like, no, like we need a full spinoff on nutrition. I was like, I'm in. So that was kind of how Fuel for the Soul was born. And the rest is history. <laughs> very, very, very cool. Now, yeah. um, Calvin Huang says in the chat, shout out to the Fuel for the Soul podcast. He's yeah. a listener. And uh, Melvin Yumeng has a question. We know, we know that you're, so I feel like there's two ways you can spot a Fuel for the Soul listener. Um, at a marathon, they've got like an arm full, like a football size bag of bagels, mm-hmm. or they're eating like the graham crackers. Now, I eat graham mm-hmm. crackers already because I got kids, you know, and so like they're just so at, our, at my house all the time. And it's just like one of those things where I'm like, these are getting they, they, the humidity affects them, so you got to oh. eat them, you know what I mean? They get like, stale, yeah. let them stick around. 
So mm-hmm. every time I feel like a box is about to go, I just start eating them. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of people will eat them before the long runs. But Melvin has a yeah. question. He says, "Meg, what are your thoughts on graham crackers post long run?" Mm. I only ask because I have 10k left on my 20 mile. <laughs> I am totally for, you can eat grams afterwards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the reason we're eating them before is because they're a simple carbohydrate that mm-hmm. just digests very easily for most people. So it gives us that quick fuel without it upsetting our stomach. Mm-hmm. But post run, we also need quick carbohydrates to replace those glycogen stores that we've drained while we're running. And honestly, the same carbs we eat beforehand, whether it's grams or not work afterwards. So I mean, I'm totally game with that as long as we're getting some protein after too. Cool. So like, so you think that like for if people are having like if they're not able to eat something right after a workout, you think like both sugars and proteins is important. To mm-hmm. get? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like, a lot of the shakes out there are like just protein. And some people yeah. like like that. And I'm like, I don't know. It's not going to taste as good if there isn't sugar in it. No. But I also kind of want some sugar. So is that like right. a natural thing that you would want? hundred percent. So I always say recovery is not done until we get the protein to recover our muscle damage and our Mm -hmm. carbs to replace our glycogen stores. So like we need both to truly recover Mm -hmm. as endurance athletes, like sure as a bodybuilder or something, protein is probably the most important, but like if we're training and we've got a big training week, if we deplete those glycogen stores and don't get enough carbs back in, we're going to tank. Like we're not going to be able to hold performance as the week goes on. So it's like we need both of those things okay that makes sense to me yeah um all right we got another uh comment in the chat from sean sean says just wanted to virtually thank megan for her carb load plan did the three-day load before my last marathon i never felt so good during a race before graham crackers for the win i'm gonna say for the win for the ftw (laughs) yeah i said for the win in my head so as i was reading it (laughs) all right very cool um as you were like studying uh and becoming um a dietitian. Um, was it always the plan to be to kind of like specialize in marathoners? Or tell it me was that. not. Okay. No, not at all. So as a kid, I wanted to be a pediatrician because mm-hmm. I loved kids. And then when I got older, I was like, but I don't like sick kids. So let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't want the sick ones. Um, I didn't realize like, well, visits were a thing at that time. Um, but so anyway, so I've always been interested in like science and kind of like medicine and hospitals and things like that. So I stumbled upon the major of dietetics of nutrition when I was touring Miami, I fell in love with Miami and I was like, well, I guess I'll study this. So I started doing it because there was a lot of hospital jobs and I thought I wanted to work in hospital and I loved nutrition. So I kind of went that route. Um, and my parents were like, no, no, no. Cause my dad worked at a small community hospital. He thought I was gonna be like a lunch lady for a living. He's like, we're doing what with our life? You know, that right, kind of right. stuff. Right. Um, so that's where I started. And I did, I started in the hospital. So after I got my master's, my internship was at a big hospital in Cleveland. So I actually worked there for 12 years in only three of it was in clinical nutrition. So I was like feeding people through tubes who had had strokes. And I mean, it was, I learned so much about, you know, the human body and medical conditions and stuff. But I was like, this is not my passion. Like that's when I started running was after grad school. I always played sports growing up, but I never ran, ran. Um, so the first marathon I ran, I think I was 25. And um, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like 
this is such an untapped market. Like I didn't know what to do. I wasn't fueling right. I was not hydrating right. You know, I was only drinking water and wondering why I felt dizzy and like disoriented when it was hot because I had no electrolytes, you know? So I just dug into the research on nutrition and I had backtracking. I did take a phenomenal sports nutrition class in grad school, but at the time, I mean, this was like 2007, they were like, there's not a career in sports nutrition. Like, you know, you take this class, let's learn about it. But there's only two sports dietitians in the United States. So it was very discouraged. Like, so to me, it was like a passion of mine, sports nutrition. And honestly, I wanted to figure it out for me. And then I was just kind of like anecdotally helping people around me that were running. But like social media wasn't what it was in 2007 through 2010 when I was doing all of this stuff. Um, And again, you know, all my mentors were like, this isn't a thing, Megan, like sports nutrition is not a thing, you know. Um, But as flash forward, we made it a thing and I ended up quitting at the hospital and here we are. (laughs) So can you tell me a little bit kind of like about your practice now? Like, do you see like, I don't know if they're called patients or clients or or, Mm -hmm. or what the word is. Like, do you see people in like an office setting or is most of your work like now like kind of like through the internet, people that you're coaching Mm -hmm. through diet and nutrition? Like, tell me, like, how does your kind of like job work? Mm-hmm. Welcome to my office. This is my <laughs> office. This is where I see my clients. Um, it's all virtual. So okay. I, when I first started out, it was before COVID. So I would like local people like go meet them at a coffee shop and do it face to face and things like that um, when I was still working at the hospital. But I mean, truthfully, I as terrible as it sounds, I think like COVID made this boom the way it has for me because it increased people's comfortness working over zoom with people because like all of a sudden we were all zooming for everything you know so um most of my um initial assessments are over zoom so kind of like what we're doing right now um and i just had one right before this so we meet that way and then i check in with them weekly either over email or over a zoom call i also have some group nutrition classes coming up they start in like two weeks um, one specific for Boston. We have 20 people in that one, which is awesome. And then we have 26 people coming up in just like any spring race. So we meet for a week. We talk about something that's applicable to training at that point. Um, and like, so peak week, we talk about peak week nutrition, you know, carb load the week before a marathon, that kind of stuff. Um, so that we can apply some different sports nutrition principles to our training, like when we're actually doing it. So that's been kind of cool too. Um, so yeah, a lot of my stuff is, is virtual. We track together online, nutrition, training, all that kind of stuff. Um, whether it's a group atmosphere or one-on-one. And then I do have like some local stuff, like working with like a local, um, high school to help with their different teams and like some like post, um, practice, like feed centers, we call them to make sure they have the right foods there to like have these high school kids grab it and go in. So there's a little bit of that kind of stuff. And I will, you know, teach some classes at a local university. So it's, there's tons of stuff, but, uh, keeps me busy very cool <laughs> i mean like tell me tell me about the high school like what are the high like what do you have to teach the kids after high school like hot cheetos is not recovery food oh, is that what it is or, or so or what is what, you what, know it's teaching that? it's teaching the the coaches okay too 
Like they literally, the athletic director reached out and was like, I need help with my 28 sports teams. Can you give a one hour talk? I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, we're not going to talk to a freshman female cross country runner the same way we're going to talk to an 18 year old football player, like right, very right. different nutrition needs. So it's been awesome. fun, but yeah, I mean, their diets are just like crummy, like what they're eating beforehand, what they're eating right. after. It's pretty simple yeah. in my world as far as what to do for them, but it's, okay. yeah. Yeah. I, I remember it like there wasn't there was like 30 minutes in between the end of school for me in high school and when, mm. when track practice would start ideally the idea being like if you need to help with like a class or if you wanted to be in a club you could do that but i would always be like it takes me 12 minutes to get to mcdonald's from here <laughs> that gives me enough time to get into the drive-thru eat the food on the way back and like have a full belly before practice because i would Oof, just rather ouch. i'd rather just be like i had i happy and sated rather than like <laughs> be hungry before practice and i don't yeah. know it's just something to do as well so i was just like i can't imagine what like high school kids do today like, oh, nutrition yeah. wise, especially with like weird information that's out there on the internet too right it's not i'm it's not a ton different to tell you the <laughs> truth yeah we we used to just stuff our faces on the bus ride to like lacrosse games yeah. and then wonder why our stomach hurt when we got there we'd eat candy bars like none of us like we're yeah. paying attention to i need to eat this to feel this way to fuel my body it right, was just right, like right. give me all the junk like because we were bored on the bus yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> so funny all right, yeah. we got some questions in the chat here. Uh, Angie Stone McDonald says, Megan, as someone who is gluten-free, do you have a recommendation for a gluten-free substitute <laughs> for graham crackers or gluten-free bagels? Good still as fuel for gluten-free athletes. Yeah, I'm giggling because I literally just had um, the girl who works for me over at my house and we were ta blind taste testing graham crackers this morning. Oh, okay. And we had 10, she had 10 laid out and I've got this goofy oh. blindfold on. And yeah. I, when I got to the gluten-free one, I took a bite and literally it was like, I'm so sorry, guys. I know this is the gluten-free one. It's <laughs> awful. It's terrible. Like gluten-free graham crackers are terrible. Like I have not found a good one yet. I just, okay. I don't know why, but they just cannot okay. seem to replicate them. Some of my clients will make their own gluten-free graham okay. crackers and they say they're better. Okay. Uh, they just follow like a recipe online and substitute like all-purpose gluten-free flour. So I, I'm sorry, Angie, but I'm not sure I have a substitution for grams, but bagels, they do make some really good gluten-free bagels. Most people like Aldi's the best. I don't know if you have an Aldi near you, but they have mm -hmm. gluten-free bagels. Um, another really good brand is Canyon Bakehouse. They have um, a lot of gluten. They have like gluten, gluten-free focaccia and like hamburger bun, like anything you would want in bread form. And to answer your question, yes, it works just as well as other things. The only thing you have to be cautious with gluten-free substitutes is for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like a texture thing, they seem to add a lot more fat. Like the graham crackers mm -hmm. I was eating are mm -hmm. like three times the amount of fat as like the graham crackers that we that have gluten, you know? So just double check that your bagels are ha still have adequate carbs or sometimes the portions mm -hmm. are tiny. So you need two gluten-free bagels to equal 50 grams, you know? So you yeah. just kind of have to check the label, but it should work. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Do you think it's just because like, eh, there's no gluten in here. It tastes terrible. Just add more fat. Maybe more that salt, might be. You know? That honestly might be. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, gluten is like the structural protein yeah. in wheat. So it does add like some chewiness and some texture. So like sometimes I wonder if it's that too, but you're right. It probably is like make yeah. this taste better. My, my wife is gluten free a, a uh -huh. lot of the time. You know, every once in a while yeah. she'll be like, oh, maybe I can have a little bit of gluten. And I'll be like, yeah. okay. And then like the next day I'm like, how are you feeling? She's like, I shouldn't have had that. So, um, 
Yeah. So we, we've, we've been through a lot of the different brands. I, I forget yeah. which ones that they are, but I, I know the packages yeah. when I see them cause I do all the yeah. grocery shopping. So, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I, I didn't know if like carb content wise, mm-hmm. they would be like equivalent. So that's good to know. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. You just right. have to look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we got another question from Dominic. Dominic says, hi, Megan. I usually take about 60% of my carbs in uh, a form of Martin drink mix, which is a ton of sugar. Would you have any concerns about this approach, like drinking your carb load rather than mm-hmm. eating it? So I don't No, As long as you're a healthy human, you don't have like type two diabetes or something, which I doubt he does. Um, yeah, no, I'm fine with people drinking carbohydrates for the carb load. I mean, when we think about a carb load, like we're kind of like going against like daily nutrition habits i'm literally telling you to suck down like a gajillion carbs to make sure our glycogen stores are loaded so it's a little bit of a different purpose right like it's a performance purpose so if we're trying to pr those marathons it's super important that we have those glycogen stores you know fully locked and loaded so um you know i think doing this for three two to three days before your race is totally fine i'm not worried about that at all like i still want to stick one of those like continuous glucose monitors on me while i'm carb loading and see what the heck is going on with my blood sugar but it still wouldn't change my approach you know what i mean like it's there's a reason we're doing this and there's it works so darn well um that we're probably going to keep doing it and for a healthy human like our body is going to rebound and is going to figure out what to do with this and it's not going to harm us if we are kind of spiking our blood sugar a little bit more for those days which i'm assuming is what dominic's thinking about so long winded answer to say i think it's totally fine if that works for you um that that, the question i've always had is like so like if what happens if you have like can you over carb load like what happens if you take in more sugar than your body can like handle like where does it where does it go you technically could You technically could take in too much. And so when we overconsume carbs, which is the intention, right, to load Mm -hmm. glycogen stores, we're going to use them first for energy. So if we happen to be on our feet too much or we're running a shakeout run is way too long, we're burning a lot of those carbs immediately, right? And then next, we stock our glycogen stores. But we really have no good way of monitoring, like, did I hit it? Am I there? Can I stop yet? I mean, there's devices that do that in the lab but we don't have access to those you know while we're training so if we do overshoot it we are going to store those extra carbohydrates as fat so we'll just end up storing them um that would be like the final place that we would put them yeah okay and then what about like protein like if you're i mean like let's say not talking about like at a taper or getting ready for a marathon but just like Mm -hmm. let's say like you know, we're really overdoing it with the protein shakes. Like what happens to extra protein Yeah, just like continuously in your system? Yeah. So that's a good one because protein. So we, we break down protein, carbs, and fat and utilize those in our bodies very differently. So all three macronutrients are kind of utilized differently. So protein is the one that is really hard for our body to turn into what it needs. So to turn it into those little peptides, those individual amino acids, it takes a lot of work. So we end up burning a lot of energy trying to turn protein into what it needs to be. We call it an expensive fuel. Like it's very expensive fuel for our body to figure out what to do with. So we're kind of putting our metabolism into overdrive a little bit when we are trying to digest that protein. But once it's digested down to those amino acids, like if we have too many, we can store excess protein as fat. Like we can store any excess energy as fat. And then two, it's just kind of hard on our body to be putting more protein than we need. Cause like I said, it's a really hard process for our body to turn that in. Like fat, 
our body's got it. Carbs, our body's got it. But like protein is can be kind of rough, you know, on our system if we're over consuming it. Plus it's expensive. It's the most yeah. expensive food we're going to buy. So it's like, yeah. know what you need, nail it, but we probably don't need more than that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was just hoping your, your answer was going to be, oh, it just comes out in your poop. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was hoping. You know, really. If you're not sure, overshoot, you know, <laughs> but that's not the answer. That, because no, some people, it's, that's totally genetic. So they do studies where they purposely overfeed people like a thousand calories every single day. And they find that some people don't gain weight and the people that don't gain weight move too much. And they do like when they, they literally analyze their poop and there's still nutrition left in it. So like some people genetically might actually do what you're saying, Kapuzi. <laughs> More information than anyone ever thought they were going to get today. <laughs> Well, I mean, I had a feeling that uh, I, I had a feeling I was going to bring it around to poop at some point. But, mm -hmm. you know, whenever mm -hmm. two or more runners are gathered, there will be a discussion about poop. Yeah. That's kind yeah. Of feel. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I didn't mean to turn this into like a, um, a physiology quiz, but I appreciate I dig um, it. all the knowledge. Um, let's take a step back, though, and um, talk about your running a little bit. So you ran Houston half marathon. You did really well. Your time was one twenty one. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Amazing. Does that make you the fastest Ohioan half marathoner? <laughs> no. No. No, definitely not. There were. There were I wish. Right? I was oh, at think. the race? I don't yeah, know. I thought you meant like, like ever. The, like, no. Houston. Oh, I don't know. I might have been. That's a good point. I should look things up and back that up. Celebrate. Because I, I looked for, for Ben Johnson and I was like, Ben Johnson is probably the fastest Minnesotan marathoner. And then yeah. I looked it up and he was not. Someone beat oh. him by like 25 minutes. Really fast. Oh, game. sorry, Ben. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, Ben, you were, I was like, Ben, what happened? You weren't even close. <laughs> not even close. Not um, even close. Okay. But like a 121 is a remarkably fast time. Um, and you said that you didn't like run kind of like growing up, how did you, and you got into running like after grad school mm -hmm. and you just yeah. were like, I've been good at this this whole time. And I didn't know, is, this, is that like a, a thought that has occurred to you? It has. Yeah, <laughs> it has. But well, because I, so I'd never played field hockey in my life. <clears throat> I'm five eleven. I have no business playing field hockey. It's for short people. Like, you know how crunched over I had to be to play that sport. Those, but somebody sticks are so <clears throat> tiny. I don't know why they make them that way. Yeah, I had to get like an extra long one, like order it in. I know it was ridiculous, but the field hockey coach saw me running a time two mile and I came in second, which coming in second, I, I, I wish I had the time. It might've been like a 1530. Like it was nothing mm -hmm. phenomenal. Right. But it was faster than all the other kids that were out there, you know? So she was mm -hmm. like, you're on varsity. I was like, I can play varsity as a freshman. I had never played in my life, but she saw that like I had some potential never running on the track and got on there and was like the second person to run. So then of course the, tra the track team came after me, but I was like, no, I want to play lacrosse. I only run if I'm chasing a ball. So they put me at center cause I was tall and mm -hmm. I just ran all over the field the whole time, you know? So I think I probably always had the ability to do it, but I was not playing a solo sport in high school. I was not confident enough for that. I didn't mm -hmm. want people staring at me. I didn't want my performance completely riding on me. I mean, when I trained for my first marathon, I was so scared. People are going to be watching me run. Like I, like I was <laughs> terrified of that. Like I would run in the dark room in the uh, gym in the winter. Like I was a weirdo. I was not confident with my running at all. Um, so I think that's probably why I didn't run for as long as I did, but I always loved it. Like I, you guys know, you know how everybody listening knows how amazing it feels to run. I always knew I loved it. Um, 
And then honestly, I've been running ever since, like ever since that first one, my first marathon was a 358 and I took one gel and I remember thinking I was dead at the finish line, like cross-eyed, like I felt terrible at the finish line, but I was like, I'm doing it again. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. I, I finished my yeah. first marathon. I'm like, well, that box is checked. I'm all done. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It, it took me six years or seven years before I was like, maybe I'll do another one. It took a long time. Mm-hmm. You took you took a little hiatus. I, yeah, <laughs> I stopped running. It was it was such yeah. a, it was couch to marathon in 2010, and it was such yeah. a bad experience. And I'm like, uh, that itch has been scratched. I'm, I'm all but don't you think nowadays with like resources like you and me and other podcasts, like people don't have to make those terrible mistakes their first marathon anymore. Like, I don't feel like we had, I, mine was in 2009. Like, I don't think we had the resources to like know what we were doing at that time. No, yeah. I mean, like there was like, no one wore like a GPS watch back then. Right. Like, I didn't have one were, on like, my first one. Yeah. It's like only if you were super hard. Basically, I would ask yeah. someone what time it was when I started because I would be in the city. So there'd always be like someone like at a stoplight. I'd be like, excuse me, can you tell me what time it is? And then when I got back, I would try to find someone real fast and be like, can you tell me what time it is real quick? And then I would just do the math and kind of figure out like what the route was. uh, And that's how I'd figure out like what my paces were. Like that's that's how. I would look at the clock on my microwave and then like subtract (laughs) two minutes for the like elevator in my apartment building. Yeah. 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 I remember I had a, um, I used a Hal Higdon plan. Yeah, we do. (laughs) um, I, I, I printed it out and like, because that was something everyone did to, to things. If you saw something useful on the internet, you printed it out. You printed it. Yeah. And then I put it on the fridge and I would like mark down if I did the runs that day and stuff like that. Oh my yeah. God. We are so from the same era. Mine was <laughs> tacked. My Hal Higgs plane was tacked behind my computer at work. Yeah, and I yeah. would like my, I'd stare at it all day. I'd be like, oh God, I have to run 18 miles for the first time this Friday. Because yeah. I ran all my long runs after work on Friday because it was not allowed oh. to hinder with my social life on the weekends. Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, no way. You know, like, oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, the thing I remember most prominently about that hell higdon plan was that like it would be like mondays or whatever would be like a cross training day and uh-huh. i'd be like well that's a day that i'm not going to be running so, <laughs> and that's a habit that has not stopped i mean i still run every day now but every time i see like cross training on the calendar i'm just like oh not doing that day off yeah I, I, I need to and i have been using the bike more but um when it comes down to it like i just prefer not to do the cross training and stuff so You've stayed healthy, so I mean, yeah, I, I've been yeah. I've been doing a lot more mobility work and like that kind of stuff, and I I bought a weight, so mm. you know, a step in just the right one, direction. just one. I, I, I'm like I bought a kettlebell. I'm like I'm good. That's okay. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ed Chan's chiming in says marathoners twenty years ago had to print out and carry the course route from MapQuest to, know, <laughs> to run. <laughs> <laughs> I used to map my run so that yeah, I knew how yeah. far I was going. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I used maybe map my run that way. I forget, there was lots of different ones where you could be like, I would just kind of be like, well, I know I ran along the lakefront path, so I'll just kind of trace it, mm. and then I must have done that. So that's kind of yeah, that's exactly what I had to do too. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, where's another one back here? Oh, Eric Perriman says, funny. I remember having fruit roll-ups during my 96 marathon in Burlington. No gels, huh? That and water Gatorade was all we needed. Oh my gosh. Can you, so you carried fruit roll-ups with you? That is wild. 
the, See, these are the stories I love. The, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine Eric. I met Eric uh, when I was out in, in Colorado this summer. And I'm just now I'm picturing Eric like running and like pulling out like a fruit roll up and peeling it like a banana. <laughs> and then just trying to eat it. shoving it all in at once. I mean, that's how that, you eat a fruit roll up. Here's the wax paper. So you have to unfurl it. But then I guess you could peel it off the paper and then just and then kind of crumble it into a ball. You, you know that paper like stick to your hand <laughs> as you're sweating and you're like trying to get it off as you're running. Eric, we need a we need like a visual of this if you got one, man. We do. We do. And now I'm now I'm thinking my kids are always begging me to get fruit by the foot. Like, could you imagine that? Like just put a piece in it, just let it like hang as you're running, just like eat it up like a piece of pasta. <laughs> just like slurp it. <laughs> I've gotten so many good visuals. Or awesome. if, like, especially if it was like just dangling in the wind behind you as you're running. Oh, even better. <laughs> Another runner starts eating the other end. I mean, it's so many possibilities. Um, do you do any of the gummies when you do any of your training runs? I used to. Yeah. I used to. I used to only use, um, let's see, I used Honey Stinger gummies for a while and then I switched mm. to Scratch gummies. So my first oh. sub three marathon, I used all juice. And wait, wait, wait. Um, wait. So, like, did you have, like, haptites, like, just full of, like, all these bulbs? Like, so those, good. Are, they, they take up a lot of space. They're so, you huge. just have, like, like pockets full of candy as you're running? Well, basically, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I know none of you are going to be shocked that I nerded it out to this degree. But a thing of chews is, like, a really odd amount of carbohydrates. It's, like, 38 grams or something. Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. in my mind, I'm, like, I need 50. How am I ever going to do that math out there running fast? Like, that's never okay. going to work. So ahead of time, I counted out the number of chews I needed to eat per hour and put them in little individual baggies and like tied them off and shoved them down my sports bra. So I had like these three lumps like (laughs) on the front of me and I would just grab one for that hour and like a little mouse, like get a hole in the bag. And I would just, it was cold. So it was in my glove. So I was like digging these chews out of my glove and then I'd get the next one out (laughs) for hour two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. It was ridiculous. I, mean, I I still like the gummies every once in a while, but I only like them for like an e- like if it's a longer yeah. easy run. So yeah. like, I'd rather. I mean, sometimes I'll bring a gel if it's just an easy long run. Mm-hmm. But like um, lately, what I've been doing, you know, I'm trying to make my easy runs like about ten miles, and I can do that without any like gels or nutrition, but it's just more pleasant to have a little bit of sugar. Oh, yeah. And so I'll bring like a, a packet of them and I'll be like, eh, I feel like having two right now, maybe three. And then there's like, and now there's four left in here. Like, why is there seven in a pack? That's just an odd I number. Know. It is a very odd. I totally agree with you. I just feel I know. like the, the people that make the chews are putting in a weird number of carbs and a weird number of chews in the package are doing it to like spite someone in their life. That's very meticulous. And we're like, this is going to annoy Jim so much. Seven choose 36 and a half carbs. You know, you're, I mean, you're not kidding. There's like 11 choose, I think in the honey singer package. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Cause I calculated there's like 3.4 carbs per chew. Like it's yeah. very obscure. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think that it's just such a weird uh, product, but I do, I do like them. Do you ever do the, um, the waffles? Do you ever run with those? Not when I run. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I feel like they crumble yeah, so I don't, easily. I, I still don't understand. I think it's more popular for the trail yeah. runners to have them to bring during the yeah. runs. But like, I can't imagine like putting that in like a flip belt or something like that. It would just <laughs> it'd be, be crushed. It'd be dust. It'd be like a sticky dust by the time I got yeah, to it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. Eric, Eric's giving us more, more input here. He would strip oh, off good. the paper. He would wad it up and then and then down yeah. it. 
That's it. Not I totally. Yeah. I think there were a few with some fruit roll up mud flaps. Hilarious. Nice. <laughs> I was totally picturing the total in the mouth. So yeah, I'm glad that's how you did it. Eric. See, I, I mean, Pro level. I, I, but I think then, then you would have like a, a clump, like a bolus of, <laughs> roll. you know what I mean? It'd be weird. And how do you eat that? I feel like I would roll it back up into like, so it would be more like um string cheese. You know, mm. I think that's mm. what I would do. Maybe like peeling it or like, you know, some of them have like punched out and there's like animals you can pull out of them. You you imagine there, like, running and being like, I need to get the, I need to get the you know? <laughs> uh, Calvin says, I just looked at my package of gummy worms. There's four pieces, 110 calories, 27 grams of carbs and two grams of protein. What do you think Perfect. about like candy versus like like the runner food? Does it matter? I I have people who do it. Like mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything. I mean, I think I've taken Swedish fish on a run. Like this was mm -hmm. back in the day, but like mm -hmm. I mean, I think I've done that. I've had I have clients who do it on like training runs or like they forget their fuel on vacation, and I'm like, go get some oh, yeah. Swedish fish, you yeah. know, like go get okay. some gummy bears. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the same. The only thing is like the engineered sports fuel is specifically has a certain ratio of like maltodextrin fructose and glucose because we have different receptors that absorb it so like if somebody's prone to gi issues like real um, food like it's not going to have that same ratio so it could potentially be an issue like that's why on race day i'm like just get the good stuff you know but yeah, yeah. there's okay. nothing wrong with like you're saying on those easy runs those easy long runs if we need some fuel fruit roll up gummy bears i don't care yeah it works okay um what i think is funny is like people I feel like there's a point in every runner's kind of progression when they're looking at the gels and if they have kids that are like, well, I've got all these applesauce packets lying around. <laughs> right. And they're like, why don't I just do that? Um, and I've done that before too. And that's actually not, not, not terrible. Cause it's usually yeah. pretty like, like thin. So there's like some, yeah. you know, like hydration in, into it too. Yeah. And then yeah. there's always that one person that takes it a step further and is like, you know what? I tried from my long run when I was training for an ultra I thought I'd bring like a little squeeze packet of frosting and, and I'm like, Stop. yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I actually, I, maybe Eric was one of the people that did that, but uh, in the chat, but I was like, and how does that go for you? And he's like, Oh, I was vomiting oh, later. I'm like, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a lot of Frosting sugar, but it's too that. much fat. Way too much fat. And it doesn't empty from our stomach as we start running harder. And it's going to go out some way. Your body's not going to be able to empty it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet you don't eat frosting anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Go Running with Oliver wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Kipchoge approved Martin products? Do you like the Martin stuff? I do. I do. That's Once I got off of the chews, I went mm. to, to Martin. Um, I think it is a class of its own, right? There's nothing yeah, out right. there that quite compares to it. And I say it that way because it's a hydrogel. There's only one other company that has a hydrogel. And the nice thing about that is it doesn't upset people's stomachs. So mm -hmm. we can put a lot of that carbohydrate into our stomach. Because basically, you guys probably know, it's like encapsulated. Because if we put too much sugar into our stomach, it can't handle that. It changes the osmolality of the liquid in there and it's going to go one way or the other, right? So we can actually take in a lot more fuel and tolerate it better if we take something like the Morton. Plus, they've nailed the packaging. It's small, you know, to your point about the chews, like it's a small container. You don't have to take it at a water stop if you don't need to. Like we still need fluid, but it doesn't have to equally line up like some other gels because we don't have to dilute it in our stomach. Um, and they really nailed the high caffeine amount if you want to be using caffeine while you're out there. So 
I mean, they've done a lot very, very well. I hate how expensive it is and mm -hmm. it's not tasty, but it probably doesn't need to be tasty when we're talking about performance fuel. Um, but yeah, that's what I use. Yeah. I think that there's like only two downsides for me on Martin mm -hmm. is one is like towards the end of the race. There's times where I'm just like, don't make me eat this. I do not want to eat it. You know, I'm like, I, I want what's inside, but I don't want to eat it. How do I, how do I solve this problem? I'm like, ah, I guess I got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I just don't know how else to do it, Yeah, but there's certain times where I'm just like, I've had this flavor too much. Yeah. Um, I don't want to yeah. eat it. Um, and the other thing is I like, yeah. there's no salt in it, you know? And so like, I always worry about like, yeah. you know, how do I get my, my salt yeah. in? Like, how do you solve mm -hmm. that problem? So yeah, it's a great question that I didn't answer yet. Um, I carry scratch hydration okay. in a handheld so oh, i in my marathons i always have a full serving of scratch in the first half of the race to kind of offset that, that. hyperhydration like the thousand milliliters. i do the hyperhydration the night before mm -hmm. so we're holding on to extra salt so we shouldn't need quite as much out there on race day mm -hmm. plus then mm -hmm. taking like a higher sodium um but it's absolutely correct i mean we were talking to to ben in houston and he puts like sodium into his morton drink mix for the first one because oh. yeah it's it doesn't have much sodium in it at all which absolutely can be a problem for a heavy salty sweater so he just like takes table salt and pours it in the bottle he got what did he tell me the unflavored element packet oh, of okay. a thousand milligrams uh, yeah, and yeah, just yeah, dumps yeah. that in yeah i'm like it works that's smart yeah <laughs> so smart right um, yeah man. I mean, the company will tell you don't do things like that, but it's like, why not? <laughs> yeah, well, doesn't it, does it mess? Like my, my theory on it is like, they don't have salt in it because it messes around with the um, osmolarity of it. And so yeah. like, the absorption changes. That's, yeah. that, that was my understanding of it. I've read like, some information from the owners of Morton and they mm -hmm. said that they don't feel that endurance runners need sodium. So that's why they don't yeah. put it in there. They don't think that that's something that we need, which you can imagine how I feel about that. But yeah. Um, yeah. maybe Kipchoge doesn't because he barely glistens when he runs, but the yeah, rest yeah. of us sweat balls do. Um, and well, well, if you're only running for two hours, you don't need extra salt, but I'm out here for three. Right. So thank like, you, I need some right? Salt. <laughs> us peons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, they also address the question of could you add sodium? And there is a certain amount. And I think I had figured out it was like three or 400 milligrams per gel. I was like, how can we like, of oh, sodium? I'm like, how can we like inject some sodium into these little gel containers? Yeah. Do yeah. you do, ever do, yeah, have you ever tried like the salt pills, mm -hmm. like salt tablets? I've used the salt pills before. Yeah. I'm just I'm just yeah. worried that one's gonna like get wet and just explode in my pants. They do sound like a, Yeah, right. So I'm really, you can always tell when that happened to somebody because it just yeah. looked like someone like hit them with a paintball. It's yeah. like a white paintball and I'm just like what happened? Oh, salt pill exploded. Or like just they're not super user friendly. Like they're mm -hmm. uh, what am I trying to say? Like they're coated with that stuff that dissolves, like the yeah. capsules almost. So like they stick to your fingers and but I do have mm -hmm. a lot of salty athletes that use them and it's really saved their races. So it's an option. It's just yeah, a tricky one. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing like the scratch hyperhydration like the night before. Uh-huh. And then making like i used to like really worry about salt and i would use a lot of the huma chia gels because they have mm. a little bit at least a little bit of salt in them yeah and then i was like but then i'm not using a martin but i really like the caffeine um <laughs> and so i would just have been like well i'll take you know just take more gatorade or whatever the sport drink mm -hmm. on the course and hopefully i'm getting enough salt there mm -hmm. and then just make sure i'm like kind of loaded up on salt 
before mm-hmm. I start the race. That's kind of been right. Amazing. And I, I think so far it's been okay. Yeah. Cause we can, just like we can store extra carbs. We can store extra sodium. You guys know that you go out and eat a salty meal the next day you're swollen and you feel crummy, you know, like that's hanging on to extra salt. So we can absolutely do that. And that helps cause that's like your buffer. You burn through that first before okay. you dip into your own stores. It works. Okay. Uh, Mar- Martha asks Megan, doesn't sipping a little Gatorade endurance were provided like in Boston provide enough salt? Kind of like what I was talking about. I also, she also carries the human gels for the first part of the course. So she's not doing a hundred percent Martin. And that's kind of like how I used to do it too. Like the first gels would be salty. Um, yeah. and then just take a lot of Gatorade. Do you think that's yeah. probably enough for most people? It works for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sweat rate and sweat composition is genetic. So like each mm-hmm. of us is different. Some of us are really heavy, salty sweaters and no, that wouldn't be enough. But for a lot of people that you know, probably is enough. And especially mm-hmm. those, they have the Huma Plus that have like 220 milligrams of sodium in them. So if you're doing those and then you're getting some Gatorade, you'll probably be okay. But again, just practice it. Practice yeah. it in different types of weather. So then in Boston, when you see it's 50 degrees, you're like, oh yeah, this worked for me on this 50 degree training run so that you're confident that, you know, that plan works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like how does your, like do your salt needs, do you think change depending on the, te- like, I, I know like hotter temperatures make you sweat more, but mm-hmm. like, is there other, other than like the sweat rate, does the mm-hmm. nature of your sweat change in different temperatures it or is that shouldn't. always pretty constant? Per mm-hmm. person? No, it shouldn't. So I work with a company in Pittsburgh that does sweat tests. They send you like this little patch and you have to okay. wear it. And mm-hmm. so it tells you what your sodium concentration is per liter of sweat. Mm-hmm. And they say that it does not change dramatically over the lifespan. Like it changes a little bit when you're fit versus unfit or altitude versus sea level, but like not significantly, like it's pretty standard. Your sweat rate per liter is going to stay about the same. So to your point, it's just like, how much are we sweating to know how much we're losing? Yeah. I just tested a sweat monitor today, just earlier. Oh yeah. Which one? Nix N-I-X. Okay. It looks like that one yet. It looks like a continuous glucose monitor and you feel cool wearing it, but it's just just a sweat meter. What did it but say? It, it said that I uh, sweat like 33 mil. I need 33 milligrams of salt per whatever unit of time. I forget. I was out, okay. I was on the treadmill for like an hour and a half and I lost like 500 milligrams of salt. Oh, that's not much. And that's so, low. Like, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So it said like, uh, I, I t- happen to really respond well to scratch and Gatorade endurance. And uh-huh. like, it gives you a list of like, based on how much you sweat and what's in your sweat. Uh-huh. like that's here's cool. a this chart is what we'd okay, recommend right? yeah that's neat yeah. and so i was like yeah. oh okay well i guess my body kind of my body and my wallet kind of figured out what it like what i, I need <laughs> and it happens to be okay so i, I felt pretty it. good about that so yeah so well, that's cool yeah so i was i was just um kind of testing that out and trying to figure mm-hmm. out sweat but like the thing that always kind of confuses me about like the sweat and hydration things and i think i just need to do some more research but since i got you here <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Here I am. like a lot of the early research that the kind of stuff that like the studies that like Gatorade used to do, it used to be mm-hmm. like, well, if you sweated a liter, you need a liter of liquid back, you know, it was mm-hmm. like one for one back. But I feel like my understanding is like, that's not exactly what you need to perform your best. You know, like it doesn't have to be a one for one replacement. Am I wrong on that? Or like, do I need while to you're running? Something? Yeah. So like to, to get optimal performance for like a workout or for a race, like, if I've sweat, say 500 milligrams out, do I need to have put in 500 milligrams? Otherwise I'm, you know, not running optimally or no, how does no. that work? Yeah. 
so we're going to have this bucket of losses. We want to minimize those losses to the point where it's not going to affect performance. Every single, I mean, when you look at the top marathoners in the world, they're ending anywhere from three to 7% dehydrated. That's a high dehydration rate, but they're not hitting the dehydration rate that impacts their performance. So like, I never expect people to finish getting in what they lost. Like it's pretty much impossible, right? Especially if you're trying to run fast, like you're not going to be able to tolerate. I mean, I have guys that lose two liters of fluid an hour. Our stomach can only hold like 30 ounces of water an hour. Like there's no way we could recoup that. So no, we don't have to get it all back. Now in a 24 hour span, we want to try to hit that, but not during the actual activity. Okay. That see that yeah. that makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time today. You've been very generous, and I, I could feel like I owe you a, a bunch of money now for all the answers <laughs> no, you answered. Not um, at all. So it's been very Always helpful, here. And very informative. Um, at, at the time just flew by, but um, before we go, why don't we let everyone know where they can find you? We talked about fuel for the soul. Um, the podcast, how often does that come out? Every two weeks. So twice a month. Yeah. Very cool. And then where else can people find you if they want to bug you with more questions or become a client of yours? I'm on Instagram at Featherstone Nutrition. Um, I give a lot of free advice out there. So if you're mm-hmm. looking for some sports nutrition advice, hop over there. Um, I also really like easy, fast recipes that help people eat well for their training. So I have a bunch of recipes on my website, which is featherstonenutrition.com. Um, and then there's, that's how you would apply to be a client or like check out like what kind of stuff I offer. It's on the website. All right. Very cool guys. Go check her out. I mean, if you enjoyed today's conversation and have more questions, she can definitely help you answer all the rest of your questions and help you figure out that magic number of bagels you need to eat before your next marathon to hit that PR. All right. Thanks so much for your time. It was so much fun to be able to talk to you again. It was fun. Thanks, Mike. All right. That's going to be it for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Next live stream will be Monday. See you same time, 1 p.m. Central time. And in the meantime, be safe out there, everybody. Thanks.